A one, a two. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, a.k.a. Gemma Peanut on the gram, along with my co-host, Kate Heavy Breather Reeves. Oh, I love that you're owning it. I'm not owning it. No, I hate it. It's I a don't like it. fantastic moniker, it's... and I think you should own it. No, I'm not owning it. You sold me down the river. You edited out your nickname from oh our God. last record. My bloody nickname. And now I'm stuck with Heavy Breather, and you're just like Gemma Peanut on the gram. I did notice a few DLs skating into our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> asking us about my bloody nickname. Yeah. Because I somehow managed to bypass it. What do you mean somehow managed? It was did... your turn to edit the episode and you took it out. Yeah, I did edit it out. Why did you edit it out? Because I feel like it's a whole story and the way that we touched on it made no sense and there was no context. Well, let's fucking get into it. Well, it's funny that you say this because oh God. my dad is a dear listener. Is he? Had no idea. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hi, Sam. Long time no see. <laughs> Aww. That's really real. Sorry. Long, long time long no time see. Long time no see. Jem's dad, San, lives in Thailand, so we haven't seen him for a while. Damn you, C word. Mm. So my dad randomly calls me up yesterday and he was like, Jem, I was listening to the podcast and oh. I was like, lol. God, which episode? <laughs> he was listening to the emoji one. He's like, why don't you have sex with your husband more? <laughs> Thankfully, it was just the emoji one. And he goes, Gemma, I don't understand why you don't introduce yourself in your proper accent. What? And I, I get it. Yeah, well, I, I was the same. I was just as bemused. I was like, what do you mean, Dad? And he goes, well, you say Gemma Pranita. And I'm like, yeah. And Dad's like, why don't you say it properly, how Pranita is pronounced? And I was like, Dad, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, why don't you just throw it out there and see how your dear listeners react? This is so niche to him. San, I love you. I love you. Like my own father. But this is so niche to you. <laughs> like, okay. no one else in the world cares how you pronounce Pranita. <laughs> he's proud of my Thai roots. Yes. And seeing as I now have two very blonde, very blue-eyed and Caucasian-looking children, he's like, we need to bring in those Asian genes yes, somehow. Yes, bring it in. So my dad was like, I think it'd be really cool. And he did an example. Oh, sweet. And he's like, hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Branita. <laughs> oh my God, you should. Branita. Branita, along with my co-host. Kate Rams. <laughs> Oh, I like it. No. No, okay. But how cute are dads? Very cute. It's so weird what they're cotton on to. If only people knew what my full name was. So I have an identity crisis when it comes to names. Yes. We know this about me. I have multiple aliases. Yes. Don't know why I have an identity crisis. I think because I grew up as a third culture kid. I moved to Australia being half Asian and I lost my way yeah. at certain points in my teen years where I wanted to reject my heritage and then I came back to it and yeah. then I was all and then I became an actor and I felt like I needed a stage name. Like yeah. it's just a hot mess. It's a hot mess. Should we go through? Let's go through it. So your full name is Gemma Pranita Chumsai Naeutia. Did I get it? Oh my God, you, you nailed it better than my husband. Well, I mean, I've been in your life longer. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It was my favorite thing at our wedding when he had to say, 
I, Matthew Michael Rooney, take you, Gemma Pranita Chumsona Ayutia. I know. <laughs> he could barely get it out. Lol. It was a nice icebreaker at the wedding. So the Ayutia is like a Thai heritage thing. Right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's a title. Yeah. And Chumsai is my last name. Pranita, which my dad insists I pronounce as Pranita, is actually my middle name. Yes. And what happened was when I went to acting school and we were about to graduate and do our big showcase and try and land an agent, I decided that I didn't want to showcase under the name Gemma Chumsai. And the reason for that is because my Thai surname is uniquely spelt with an X. Yes. And actually, most Thai names aren't spelt with an X. Yeah. It's very Chinese. Yes. And basically someone in my long line of weird great, great, great uncles decided, you know what? I don't want to spell Chumsai with a CH. We're going to go rogue. We're going to be unique and we're going to be an X family. Oh, I hope he was all right at the time having a crisis. Seriously. We're now the X's. <laughs> so I thought going into acting, yes. I didn't... You don't want to be pigeonholed or typecast. That's and if exactly you have a, a surname that heavily points to an ethnicity, you can be typecast. Correct. Yeah. And aside from it leaning towards a Chinese heritage instead of Thai, it's also really hard to pronounce. It's hard to mm-hmm. remember. All the things. Zumzai is what you get a lot. At school, All the you time. always got Zumzai, Zumsia. Zumzai. Zumsia. I like that. Yeah. Gemma, Zumsia. <laughs> I ditched Chumsai and... I took Pranita, my middle name, as my last name. Which kind of has a Hispanic vibe if you don't know anything about anything. Or Indian. Okay. I've also had people tell me that it sounds, it looks Indian when it's written. Again, it's just ethnically ambiguous, which is what you were after, which is funny because I feel like the trends and the mood has kind of shifted back to like, no, you own and celebrate your heritage. But about 10 years ago, it was more like, I could be anything. Hanji P. Who do you want me to be? I can do it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And the thing about Pranita as well is that it's still Thai. Yes. And so I didn't feel like I yeah. was deviating too far away from who I was. Totally. There was a moment, I will say, where I considered being Gemma Kells. Oh, your mum's maiden name? My mum's mum's maiden name. Whoa. Yeah. Can I can I share an embarrassing dark secret? Yes. I feel like I know this. So yeah. when I was in theatre, mm-hmm. my grandmother, who I was very close with, her maiden name was Myers. And I had a moment where I was like, could I be Kate Myers? Because it sounds hella Jewish and the community in theatre is very Jewish. And yep. would it get me a little bit further to yeah, be would Kate it open Myers? more doors? Yeah, terrible. You can't really co-opt a whole culture just for your own career gains. No, you can't. But at that time, you were heavily into music theatre yes. and you were considering moving to New York yep. to, to pursue the Broadway dream. So yes. I get that being a Myers would have felt like a really smart pivot. Yes. Actually, on that, I'm still really, we'll come back to the name, but I'm still so keen to do 23 and me have you ever done it no what is it it's the the heritage test you like lick some stuff and i think you pee in a stick or something and then you send it away and it gives you your complete genetic and ethnic breakdown amazing we don't know that much about either side of the family we've got some really cool stuff in there like my mum's dad was swedish heritage nana we believe was a greek jew oh but i haven't been able to confirm it because her father was a ward of the state he was an orphan so we can only go back like one before her yeah right so i'm just so so keen to figure out what i'm made up of so quezzy mm. how is this different to ancestry.com oh i think it's a bit more involved because they don't just do it academically you like lick stuff and they take your genetics I love this you like lick stuff you like lick stuff but also it's so scratch and sniff your heritage that's 
That's it. Pee in this cup and we'll tell you who your daddy was. It also tells you you've got predispositions to celiac disease or you probably uh, have sleep apnea or whatever. Like, it's really detailed. Wow. And I've been meaning to do it for ages. I'm going to do it. You know, I've heard that these this new technology in DNA identity that people have become really intrigued with has actually helped solve crime. Well, that's the thing. You can't do 23andMe if you're going to go do a murder because they'll find you. Or... You can't be related to someone who's gone and done 23andMe and you be the one commit the murder because oh. their DNA is linked to yours. And if your DNA is left at a crime scene, they can match it to a distant cousin wow. who's gone and done that test kit and actually find you. So takeaway is don't do a murder. <laughs> <laughs> don't get murdery. <laughs> don't be killing Pete. Back to your name. So you're Gemma Chumsai. That's who I grew up as my best friend was Gemma Chumsai. Yes. So- which then leads to my nickname. Which leads to your nickname, which is Chummy. We've always called you Chummy. Yes. Uh, people out of context would have been like, why Chummy? It's kind of cute, but whatever. And then eventually that evolved into, to match Kate Heavy Breather Reeves, Chummy Chummy No Lips. <laughs> which was actually coined by the good mum's husband. Yes, on a night out. And we were all blotto. And I was like, I'm putting lippy on. Does anyone want some? And the good mum's like, I'll try that. And we're all sticking lippy on. And, and I was like, Chummy? And you're like, no, I don't have any lips. <laughs> We just lost it. Thus, chummy chummy no lips. We just lost it. We thought it was the funniest thing to say, and no one had ever noticed that you didn't have lips. No, I've got thin lips. And then I was like, wait, you never wear lipstick? And you're like, nah, can't. Just shows everyone I've got no lips. And then you were henceforth known as chummy chummy no lips. You know Cell Block Tango from Chicago? Yeah. I'm going rogue. (laughs) You know how there's a monologue in Cell Block Tango where she's like, lip shits? Yeah. I always felt really aligned to that moment because I was like, lip shits, I've got shit lips. That's not what lip shits mean. No, I know. But this is how my weird, fucked up brain works. But it's also really weird because you have beautiful lips. I do not. You have Cupid's bow, beautiful, pillowy lips. That's a goddamn lie. It's not. I'm looking at them right now. Do you know what? I know I call them shit shit lips, chummy chummy no lips, whatevs. But I feel quite indifferent to them. Like there's no part of me that's insecure about them where I'm like, I better go Kylie Jenner my lips no, at all. They're beautiful lips. They'll suffice. Yeah. My hubby's cool with them. Yeah, you're a good kisser. That's all that matters. I love that you know that about me. <laughs> Fact. We've been friends a long time. Just a reminder that we all have something weird that we're insecure about that literally no one else has ever thought about. True. You're, you're spot on there. But chummy, chummy, no lips. Oh my God, now I feel free. Like I can call you chummy on the podcast. <laughs> I don't have to like check myself and call you Gemma. I was weirdly growing fond of Gem Schmem. Gem Schmem, yeah. So now let's go full circle okay. and bring this back to Peanut. So where Gemma Peanut came from is because when the iPhone first came out, remember mm-hmm. those days, mm-hmm. and used to like save your contacts list, all of our friends were saving Gemma Pranita because by this point I was established in the acting industry is Gemma Pranita yep. so everyone adapted for me thank mm-hmm. you fam and they were saving my name as Gemma Pranita and Pranita would autocorrect I'm pretty sure it still does, it does yeah. on the iPhone to Gemma Peanut and so I was inadvertently saved in a whole bunch of people's phones as Gemma Peanut and everyone was like I like it it's cute and then it just kind of stuck yeah. so I started my Instagram but it's like back in the day when you created your Hotmail account and you had a name <laughs> oh my like God, what was your first Hotmail account Devil 
deviled underscore angel. Oh my god, you at hotmail dot with devils and angels. I know. What and was that about? Think- Catholic guilt. <laughs> Definitely. I lived this weird double life, Revs, because my parents were separated, and my dad lived in Thailand, and I was in Australia with my mum and my stepdad. I spent every single school holidays in Thailand. It was yes. just part of the deal. I was fucking naughty in Thailand. I got up to some hectic shit and I feel like I got that side of me out of my system and then I came back to school and I was like, "Ah, I'm in the choir. I'm in a madrigal group (laughs) with a halo on my head. Yeah, you were still dry humping boys in the cupboard, whatever. Stop! You were. I was. You're like, I was an angel in Sydney and a devil in Thailand. Oh, look at me prancing around a graveyard with my top off in (laughs) Balgawa. hurts how true that is. But can we tell everyone about your tattoo? No, I'm not ready. No, I don't want to talk about it. You've got a tattoo from your time in Thailand, from your naughty school holidays in Thailand. I hate that you're bringing this up. It's great. Tell the people about your tattoo. Have you still got it? Yeah. Why haven't you lasered it off if you hate it so much? Oh, no. I I, I actually don't hate it. Again, like my no lips, indifferent. No one can see it. I'm really coming across like an unflappable person. And I think I am a bit like that where I'm like, eh, shit hair, shit lips. Eh, tat that I regret. Ah. <laughs> Zero fucks. <laughs> Zero fucks given. Best thing about entering my 30s. Definitely. Five years ago. <laughs> Guys, I'm mid 30s forever. Best thing about being early 30s. No fucks given. So, Jem has a tattoo buried deep into her, what we can only call groin. Look, it's not a tramp stamp. It's not a tramp stamp. It's like a reverse tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> I hit it well. I feel like this deserves the full story. Go for it. As aforementioned, holidays in Thailand, every school holiday. And every now and then, a school friend would join me on a holiday to Thailand. Revs did two trips with me to mm-hmm. Thailand. On one particular year, when I was 15, Fuck. the wonderful Nikki came with me to uh, Thailand. Bucko. Yeah, Bucko. We love you. <laughs> Shout out to Bucko. We were wandering through the streets and we thought, let's get tattoos. And then we thought, no, 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 that would be ridiculous. Let's go get henna tattoos. Remember when henna oh tattoos were all the rage? Yeah. So we walked around this dodgy shopping centre in Bangkok called MBK and we went searching for a henna tattoo parlour and lo and behold, we turned up to an actual tattoo parlour and we're like, hi, do you do henna tattoos? And they're like, no, we're a tattoo (laughs) parlour. We're only ink people for real. (laughs) Soz, can't help you. And then Nikki and I looked at each other and like, well, should we just get the real thing? Like, this is what it is to be 15, folks. Yeah, no thought. No thought. Next minute. (laughs) You're on the table. I'm on the table and I decided to get the word angel. It's so tacky. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if you have an angel tattoo and you're wearing it proud. Hey, you can speak for all the people who are tatted with angels. You are one. <laughs> angel in your own handwriting. Is there a halo above the A? There is no halo. Oh, okay. There was meant to be a halo, oh. but it was too painful. And so you're like, when... no, enough, enough. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky I don't just have a tattoo that says A. <laughs> and then I have to like try and justify, oh, it means. Like a scarlet letter. So they got to the L and I was like, this is effed up. I'm done no halo thank you get me off the table and I was like Nikki quick it's your turn now Nikki had decided to get a Simba cub tattoo no oh yeah she was ballsy she had flicked through the pages no the book and there was like a Simba lion like a Disney I know and she went that's the one for me oh my god and this is where it gets really fucked up (laughs) 
So after Nikki witnessed me crying through getting the letters A-N-G-E-L tattooed on my body, as soon as it was her turn, she went, oh no, I'm good and changed her mind. Oh my God. And I was like, but I just went through with it. And she's like, nah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I felt like she like turned back on a spit sister handshake. Yeah, come on, Nix. Yeah. But like, you know, who's the victor now? Yeah, I know, right? Nikki played that well. She played it so damn well. I should have let her go first. So next chapter of this story is on your 18th, your husband, who wasn't even your boyfriend at the time, just a dude we knew. Just like, a dude we just knew. Just a dude we knew. My next door neighbour. He and his best mate outed your tattoo to your mum. Yeah. I think I've got it on home video somewhere. We do. It was fucked. I was so embarrassed. I said to my hub, this is back when we were 15. I was like, you're not allowed to tell my parents. How come I... he knew it was there, Gemma? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty low down below your undie line. <laughs> yeah, but do you remember when I was in that really cool stage at 15 mm-hmm, where I had mm-hmm. this thing about wearing low-hanging Calvins? Like, mm-hmm. I was into Calvins before my Calvins was a thing. Sure. And I used to deliberately wear my already vagina cut jeans down even lower to make sure my Calvins hung out the top. And then I like to push my Calvins even lower so that you could see that I had a bit of a tattoo without fully revealing it because it made me feel so gangster. Strong flex. (laughs) You don't feel the need to take it off. No, it's a part of my history. And to be honest, you can't see it in a bikini. And look, my obstetrician's the only other person who really copped an eyeful. She's like, oh. Okay, I'm getting some strange vibes off this one. Well, to be honest, and this is something that they don't tell you about tattoos, is they don't look how they did when you first got them. What do you mean? Everybody knows that. Uh, No one told me that at 15. Well, you got a random mall tattoo in Thailand in the early 2000s. I mean, what did you expect? I don't know, but I'm gutted that it now is almost illegible. (laughs) It's like a blur. It's a blur. Can I see? Oh, my God. Oh my god. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It looks like a birthmark. Yeah, but you also have to remember that I've since had two babies. Yes, yes, yes. And so that skin has stretched yes, and flexed of and stretched and flexed. And yeah. so now it sort of looks like angle. Angle. <laughs> like, what does that even say? See, we you know what I would have done. I would have spelt it wrong. True. And I would have had angle tattooed on me. <laughs> Legit. I would have given you shit for the rest of your life. Wouldn't it have been perfect, though, just to have a typo, like, just tattooed on me? Yeah, that's your brand, babe. I really have thought about tattoos a few times in my life, and I've never gone there. Yeah, we talked about this on the potty. I rescued you yeah. from the worst tattoo oh, mistake the ever. Worst. Revs. There are worse things like Simba Cubs <laughs> that you could get. Can you imagine your bracelet tattoo yeah, bled into a mess that no one could read? Yeah, awful. Awful. Yeah, I feel like maybe the technology's gotten better. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. They're still blurring out. Hello, people get microblading on their eyebrows and that shit bleeds too. Yes. It does. All right, Chummy. You're calling me Chummy now. Yes, Chummy. I feel exposed. So going back to the name theme. Yes. This ties in with my, you know what I don't have time for this week? What don't you have time for, chummy? Still trying to legally change my name. Oh, really? How many years in are we? I mean, I'm six years married nearly. Are you? Yes. Fuck me. Seriously. Yeah. Things still crop up. Like I'll call the internet company or I'll call my healthcare or something and everything is still under my old flippin' name. I wish there was a business. There is. It's called changemyname.com.au and they do it all for you. It costs about $45. Why didn't I do this? I don't know. I did tell you about it. 
Why didn't I listen to you? You just tick boxes like, I'm with this healthcare company. I'm with this NRMA insurance. This is where I blah, blah, blah. And they send you a printed out pile of the forms, all filled out with your details that you just sign and send off. It's such a process. What did you change first? Everyone likes to change their driver's license first. I would say that that was one of the first things I did, Mm -hmm. followed very closely by my passport. And the reason for that is because I was organizing Rafa's passport. Yes. Because she was born and we're about to get on a flight to Thailand, so I needed to hustle that process yes. and I thought well while I'm here I may as well legally change my name and my passport it's a lot less hassle having the same name as your kids when you travel Hanji P. Every time I travel with my kids, I have to prove that they're mine. So this whole thing has made me wonder, again, why am I wearing the load of this name-changing admin? And just another thing that women have to bear and carry that Mm. my husband does not. Yes, I'm raging on hubby again. Not him, the system. The system. He doesn't have to worry about any of this. He has literally, since meeting and marrying you, has changed nothing except he wears a ring now, right? Yep. It's just a lot of admin. (laughs) It is, but I do feel like I went through a lot of box ticking Mm. in my early early 30s again not really thinking for myself Mm. with the name changing thing I will say that it was a mutual decision between me and my husband I will also share that for whatever reason it really meant a lot to him that we all fall under the same family umbrella name like for him it really symbolized some sort of unification Mm -hmm. if I didn't have such a long last name like Chumsaina Ayutia (laughs) I might have pushed back on changing my name but he has such a great last name that I was like I'm keen for that yeah it's punchy it's easy to pronounce it's hard to misspell yes and for someone who their whole life has had to spell out their last name and because of the Naeutia you've often go somewhere and it's under X or it'll be under N or it'll be under A or like it's always confusing something we didn't mention is that my surname is broken up into three parts the Chumsai the Na and the Iutia and it makes it a nightmare when it comes to admin filing of my name so it's been problematic from forever since mm. I was born. So I wanted the simple life. Yeah. But then the simple life has delivered a very complicated life of me still trying to update my last name on bureaucratic documentation. Oh, it's such a pain. It is. So what's left? I don't know. It's going <laughs> to sneak up on me. It's going to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, it'll be a phone call where it's like, we have sent you multiple letters. <laughs> and I'll be like, to what address under what name? <laughs> so what's your name change status? Well, I have never changed my name. I didn't ever legally change it. Right. My husband didn't mind either way. He was happy for me to, to keep my name. Well, you're in a fortunate situation where your initials remain the same. Yes, my initials are the same because I'm Reeves and he's Robertson. Also a really great name. Do you know what it was for me? I've always thought Kate was like the world's most generic name anyway. It is. Robertson is like the Smith of Scotland. Yep. So it's like if I become Kate Robertson, that is a credit card name. (laughs) Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're at the airport and they've got Jane Smith is on like the ad for the credit card. Yeah. I just thought like Kate Robertson, that's a credit card name. Mm. I can't be that generic. And for someone who has tried to cultivate an interesting personality (laughs) and vibe their whole life, it's too plain Jane for me and I can't do it. So I thought, I know, I'll be Reeves Robertson, Kate. Ruth Reeves Robertson, which is how I got to K Triple R. Do you know what? I had feminist guilt getting married. Mm. Like I was, I struggled with all I want is to get married and have this big wedding and profess my love and all those things. But I did struggle with the feminist angle of it. And that was just the thing I held on to of like, well, I won't change my name. I'll keep my name and I'll keep my identity and I'll be my own person 
within this institutional coupling. But your kids don't have your surname. No, anyway. and I was very happy for them to be Robertsons. Yeah. Because I think it's a great name. Yeah. Plus, we had all these ambitions of giving them really Celtic names. Isla got, but Teddy, not so much. It would just make sense for them to have a full ethnically similar name. But this all still falls under the patriarchy, it doesn't does. it? It does. It's like the fact that the kids get the dad's name. Well, it's the man makes the decision to build a family and then we're all owned by yeah. that man. Yeah. Like, he brands you. It's all so archaic. I've been thinking about this so much lately. Mm. There is still so much change that needs to happen. Yeah. And we are still stuck in old school ways. Have we stopped challenging them? Or is Gen Z going to challenge and change that? Yeah, I think they absolutely are. I think for us, again, I know I've said this before, but we are in an awkward point in feminism for our generation. I agree. Because we are young enough to be part of the reckoning. We have sat up and said, hang on, why is it this way? However, we're a little bit older and more into just the rhythms of life that we recreate that we saw. Totally. So like, again, I don't remember really making big decisions and thinking these things through. It's sort of like, well, this is what you do now. Yeah. It's that modelled behaviour, isn't it? I got into that box ticking autopilot mode as well. And while I'm very content with my life, like I don't have any issues being married and and I have no regrets about our beautiful wedding. Mm. And as I divulged for very selfish reasons, I wanted to change my name for a simpler life. I feel like I'm now working overtime to model, especially Mm. for Rafa, but also for Iggy, Mm -hmm. that women very much have their own identity other than being caregiver. Yes. And wife and mother. Yes. And branded possession of man. Correct, because society still very much operates under that system, whether we want to admit to it or not. The problem now is that mothers and women are carrying just a bigger mental load with more stresses because we're trying to model different behaviour for our kids, Mm. but we're still under that same patriarchy umbrella. Yeah, we're we're still picking up the slack, but then we're trying to model something different. It's a weird juncture. I do like the romance of becoming one family and having one name. I think that's beautiful. I think it's special. But I, see, I challenge that. Yeah. Because there's romance in it without it having to ever do with anything to do with name. Because my husband actually was like, I'll take your name. Yeah, right. I'll happily take your name. And I was like, you know what? I don't think that solves the problem. Like, I think it's like, can't you be you and I be me? And we come together in this decision, but we're still who we are. Mm. I don't know. It felt really symbolic and it was a real hurdle for me. I do know a family who they just picked a new name. I was just about to say this. Yeah. Tell me more about this because I've got a similar story. Well, it's pretty straightforward. They just decided we want to become a family. We all want to have the same name, but don't really want to take your name in, in the old ways of just falling into the man's name. So they just discussed names like you would baby names. And they just went through last names they've always thought were beautiful. And they literally just picked a name. They both legally changed their name to that. Oh, surname. the parents did as the well. Parents. Oh, wow. Before they had kids. So not just the kids. Before they had kids. Wow. When they got married, they both legally became a new family name. Oh my God. Ancestry.com must be having an connection over this. They're like, guys, you're ruining our trees. That's why you lick stuff. That's (laughs) why you lick stuff. And then when they had kids, the kids took that name. So it was like a unique name to them. It wasn't his name. It wasn't her name. It was like, we're going to start a new chapter and a new family and build it from the ground up. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. Got family friends where they combined their surnames to make a new surname. I don't want to share what their surnames are, but the example would be like if there was a Smith and a Rogers (laughs) and their kid's last name was Smodgers. Smodgers. (laughs) That's a really bad example. 
Theirs is much more eloquent. Yeah, right. Just the kid? Just the kid. Oh, so they kept their names and then yeah. the kid got smudges. <laughs> but then wouldn't you have arguments over whose goes first? I guess you'd go with what sounds right. Yeah, but what sounds right to you and what sounds right to someone else could be different. Look, I think we can all agree that smudges is not a great <laughs> last name. Our best mate Liv, she hyphenated her two names and I know it was a discussion like which name goes first. To her, it sounded perfect to put her name first. Yeah. But then to him, he's like, no, my name first and then your name. And there was like a whole tension with that too. I love it. So many things to consider. Because I guess you don't, you want the same run on. Like for me, it's like Kate Reeves and then add Robertson at the end. I'm not going to be like Kate Robertson Reeves. Well, why not? Yeah, why not? Right? Why not? Can you imagine me and Hubs? Chumsai Na'ayutia Rooney or Rooney Chumsai Na'ayutia? Oh my God, I would never do that to my kids. Yeah, it's gifting your child a life of admin drama. And with someone with a complicated and long, tricky to spell last name, it really sucks. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Even having to say Gemma with a G my whole life and then having to really articulate the M because the amount of times I get, hi, I'm Gemma. Oh, nice to meet you, Jenna. Oh, and I'm God. like, no, Gemma. And they're like, oh, okay, J-E. I'm like, no, G-E. <laughs> Jesus. Who'd have thought? Yeah. I must say my name weird, particularly in America. Americans cannot understand me. Twice I went to get coffee and they asked for your name. And twice in New York they've said, Hank. Oh, what? And they're like looking at me, Hank. And I'm like, me? <laughs> and I go up, you know, arm and flat white. And I'm like, Hank? And it's written on the cup, Hank. And I'm like, Kate. Hank. Because you must go, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) They'll go, hey, hey, sweetie, what's your name? Kate. Oh, Oh, Hank. Hank. (laughs) So weird. It's so weird. And once I left my wallet in a store and had to call up and say, hi, sorry, I think I've left my wallet there. Like, oh, there is a wallet here. What's your name for identity? You know, so they can't just give me a wallet. It's Kate. And they're like, can you spell that? And I was like, yeah, um, K-A. And they're like, S-E. And I was like, no, Kate. Like, I ended up saying, Kate, it's a true story. I'm like, am I having a stroke? Why can't you understand me? Ended up having to say, Kate, like Kate Blanchett, and Reeves, like Keanu Reeves. But then they'd spell your name with a C. I don't care. I was like <laughs> trying to identify that it was my wallet. And I was like, get on board. S-E? I'm like, nope. K-A. So I always have to spell Pranita out on the phone. Yes. Because P's can be mistook for T's. N's can be mistook for M's. What a nightmare. And then I've got a T at the end, Pranita. You know, like the... Alpha, Beta, Charlie, Echo. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that alphabet <laughs> yeah, yeah, called? Yeah, I know that. It's, isn't it the radio alphabet? No. What's it called? We need an Alexa in here. Seriously. We need an Alexa for all our dumb questions we <laughs> never know the answers to. I genuinely want to know what the name of that alphabet is. Isn't that the phonetic alphabet? Oh, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, the phonetic alphabet. It's the NATO phonetic alphabet. That's it. The NATO okay. phonetic alphabet. And I don't know the NATO alphabet. Yeah, go on. Spell my name. Cause Gemma or Pranita? Both, all of it. P. You can start with Gemma. Okay, so Gamma. Gone no, gr- it's golf. It's golf. Is it? Because I would have gone grapes. Grapes? Yeah. Wait, the th- point is that it can't sound like any other word. That's how they came up with it. Grapes? Yeah. What other word? Just- Shapes. <laughs> okay, okay, sh- sure. Because there's no other word that's like could be <gasps> golf. Oh, Rolf? <laughs> no, Rolf is a name, not a thing. No, so you would be golf echo. Echo rhymes with Gecko. Echo does rhyme with gecko. This story does not check. Golf, Echo, Mike, Mike, Alpha. Okay, continue. That's Gemma. And then you would be... You don't even know it. No, I'm trying to remember. My dad taught me this, Papa. Then you would be Papa, Romeo, 
Alpha, November. Okay. Igloo. Nope, India. <laughs> India. Tango. I know that one. Tango, the uh, best one. Tango, Alpha. Do you know how I say it? <laughs> P for Polly. Polly. So sweet. I just make them up. P for Polly. R for Renata. <laughs> Who's Renata? <laughs> I don't know. I just have so much fun with it. So I'm Kilo, Alpha, Tango, Echo. Yeah. But not, it's not like anyone needs to spell Kate. <laughs> like we got it babe don't worry about it you don't have to spell it out it's the most generic name in the world kate with a k kate with a k this is all reminding me of people who change their kid's name after they've already named them i met someone who did it six months after their kid was born great tell me all about it so met her at a wedding she was actually a really cool chick the wedding where you had no friends yeah oh this is the great thing about going to wedding when you have no friends you learn cool stories for the podcast so i was chatting to this mom because you know how mums were just like moths to the flames yeah. with each other. Tell we me just... about your birth story. I only met you five minutes ago, but I want to know how your vagina's doing. Exactly. Yeah. I really loved her daughter's name, but then she told me that her daughter had a different name. But she basically said that she named her daughter Evelyn. Oh, lovely. Beautiful name. Eve. She said that like a few months into it, she was like, it's not her name. It's wow. just not her name. Yeah. I can't explain it. The name is too delicate, pretty soft for this firecracker kid. Yeah. And then one day it just popped into her head when her little girl was six months old that her name needed to be Pippa. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and she yeah, and it's she, a real left turn. Yeah, and yeah. she couldn't shake it. She's yeah. like, her name needs to be Pippa. She's not an Evelyn or an Eve or an Evie. It's Pippa. So I said, so what did you do? And she said that she did an announcement on Facebook because she thought Facebook was the fastest kind of scattergun approach yep. for everyone to find out, and then everyone can have their chats about it, their discussions about it behind the scenes, and then she'll just become Pippa. The end. Yeah. But she launched her post with, "We have loved raising." sweet Evelyn for the last six months and everyone thought that something had happened to her. Oh no. I know. This now l- introducing our replacement baby, Pippa. Yeah, so <laughs> she didn't anticipate the fact that people would misread oh. her Facebook as being a really dark delivery of oh, news no. oh, because no. she wanted to share this sort of poetic story about how they're saying goodbye to Evelyn oh, my gosh. and reintroducing Pippa, but that it was the same child. So she said that her plan to do an easy explanation over Facebook just to scattergun the information to everyone was an epic fail oh, because God. then she had to do this double explanation or soothe people's heart attacks because oh, they were freaking out yes. before they they got to the end where it properly explained that they've just changed her name to Pippa. Okay. Anyway, I thought that was such a brilliant story. I think it's awesome. I sometimes do have slight regret over Isla's name. I know this about you. Yeah. It is perfect for her because it's where she was made and we have a real connection to the Isle of Skye. She does suit her name and I think as she grows older, she'll. it's a beautiful adult name. Yes. But, but... But her second name... I had a few names, but the second one was Poppy. Poro. Poppy Robertson. Yeah. And that's her personality. She's got a Poppy personality. She is. She's yeah. sprightly. Yeah. She's full of beans. She's... She's peppy. She's joyful. Yeah. She's such bouncy. She's peppy. She's peppy, you so know? So she'd be a perfect little Poppy. She'd be an amazing Poppy. And yeah. I also think... Poppy Robertson has just like a cool cadence to it. I really like it. But anyway, Isla she is. And Isla she shall be. Forever. (laughs) Unless she changes her name when she's older. Yeah, imagine if she listens to this podcast when she's 18 and she's like, fuck On what? On her Walkman? (laughs) Like, (laughs) technology would have moved on so much. Probably be like, remember when you had a podcast? How can we find that? I'm like, I don't know. It was on this thing called the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I think because I sat on... 
wanting to be pregnant for so long. I had had my baby list for like three years. I knew, knew in inverted commas, I wanted a girl so badly. I felt so deeply that I was going to have a girl. So I had this list of girls' names that I would just keep whittling down through my whole infertility journey until I had Isla, Poppy, Daisy. I did not know Daisy was on your list. Yeah, I had Isla, Poppy, Daisy, Daphne. So quite a vibe, like quite yeah. a quite a tone. Quite floral. Quite floral, quite girly. But they were the names I really liked. Then you shamed Daphne, so that came off. So then it was just Isla, Poppy, Daisy. Yeah, we landed on Isla because of how we finally fell pregnant. Yeah. And I felt like it was a poignant thing. But now it doesn't mean that much. I mean, it does mean that much to me. If I think about it, I really didn't need my infertility journey in her name. I think it's just it was such a big deal at the time that I was pregnant. Yeah. It was such a big deal to me because I had wanted it for so long that it probably clouded how I was thinking of her story. Mm. And now that I know her as her own person, the infertility is not painful anymore because it's perfect because it led me to Isla. Yeah. You know? Someone asked me that the other day, if my infertility journey still feels raw Mm. now that I'm deep in the trenches of motherhood Mm. and if that journey feels hard and challenging in its own way, has that sort of melted away and become sort of part of just your history? Has it? Yes and no. I think motherhood is Mm all-consuming once you're in it, that it is easy to kind of park that part of your history. But I do feel that when I hear of anyone going through infertility struggles, I'm taken right back there and my empathy levels are through the fucking roof. Yes. I know that dark space they're in and I just want to give them a crystal ball of hope or shine a light, like anything I can do to help because it's such a lonely experience. It's so lonely. Maybe it's time we finally get into this because people have been asking us for ages. Yeah. Okay. Who's going to go first? I can. Yes. I I don't know. Or does it make sense chronologically? Because you held my hand through my infertility journey before you even wanted kids, really. Yeah. And so I actually had zero empathy. No, you didn't have zero empathy. Okay. Maybe not zero. You didn't have the full deep understanding. And I think because I had no prior known fertility issues, whereas you knew that you had polycystic ovaries and because of your thyroid issues that fertility was going to be an issue. You knew all this stuff so that when you had trouble conceiving, it all, yep, story checks. That makes sense. I was mentally prepared for this. Yes. Whereas I... was a mystery case. was a mystery case. I fell under the unidentified infertility camp. It fucking shook me. I'm not saying one story is rougher over the other at all. It just goes to show how different yes. infertility journeys can be. Absolutely. And so it felt like the rug was pulled out from beneath me. Yes. Whereas with you, because you obviously went through this journey first, I wasn't ready to have kids. I was just this shoulder for you to lean on. Yes. Not knowing that I would then so desperately need you to lean on Yeah. down the track. Yes. It's crazy how life works like that. And I think that's a really interesting part of infertility. Like, obviously, there's the science angle. Like, you know, you work it out. And as you say, there's so many different ways that couples can struggle it could be a problem with the sperm it can be a problem with the egg it can be a problem with the cervix environment it could be on that note really quickly get your husband's checked i know women 
I know. Ben assume it's them. Always assume it's them. Yeah. And also men assume it's the women. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Well, we're always so fucking delicate around penises and balls, aren't we? Like, you never want to talk about it because it could cause a whole bunch of issues if they get to in their heads. Yeah. You know, you never want to bring it up because it's like, don't talk about the penis. I get it. But at the same time, the yeah. men need to do their part too. Exactly. Everyone's got to show up and be honest about this stuff. Yeah. Yes. For me, it was it was me. I had really severe polycystic ovaries and no thyroid, which meant keeping the levels of my thyroid perfect for fertility was a real game. Mix into that these polycystic cycles where I would go and have these horrible internal ultrasounds, you know, when mm. they shove a dildo right up into the oh, dark yeah. spaces of your body. And they would show me all the follicles that were ripening. And I was like, isn't that good to have ripening follicles? And they're like, no, because you're supposed to have one or two that are ripening and you have 37. Wow. And I was like, does that mean I would have 37 kids? They're like, no, your body will only ripen them a little bit and then go, whoa, what's going on here? And then you'll have a huge and period. And then eject them all. Eject them all. And you're like, oh my God, but we only have a certain egg count in our lifespan exactly. and I'm just fucking losing eggs in droves. I'm just dropping eggs, making it rain Easter. <laughs> It's just like, you get an egg, you get an egg, you get an egg. Yeah, but no one's catching. And everyone's like, these eggs are shit. I don't want these eggs. These are like the weird airport Easter eggs that taste like wax. (laughs) Give me a good lint Easter bunny any day. That was pretty shit. Especially when you have a literal visual, like someone's got the dildo up to your chest in you and going, see, here's your shit factory reject body doing it wrong. That was fucked. It's really hard to process that feeling of your body failing you. It's really hard. And it's almost the first time you really confront it in life at this stage of life. I know this is something that everyone says. It's not a new insight, but I just remember being like the amount of fucking time I tried not to get pregnant, the amount of years I spent focused on, you know, having safe sex and contraception and and contraception and all the money and time and energy I put into that. And then I was like, I just should have said, come inside mates. (laughs) Come on inside everyone. Let's try and have a baby. Anyway, my husband was amazing and very supportive and really had empathy for me and held my hand. But in a similar way to you hadn't had any lived experience with it, he couldn't fully come to the dark place I was in with me because it was very personal and it was very lonely. And the frustrating thing with my situation was, okay, cool. So I can work on getting the thyroid levels right. That's something I can control. I have no control over my ovaries and what they're going to do every cycle. And I am the kind of person where if I get too in my head about something, if I get too micromanagey, it completely consumes me. So I was like, I'm not going to go and do those ultrasounds every month because I feel like that's just going to mess with my head. Oh, I tried everything. I just went on a macro organic diet with no hormones. I cut out gluten. I made sure there was only grass fed beef in my life and all sorts. I tried to like make my body a temple as if that was going to make any difference. It's so hard, isn't it? Because when you start to confide in people that you're going through an infertility struggle, Mm. everyone wants to fix it for you. Yes. And everyone is then throwing solutions, in inverted commas, your way. Things to try. I will never forget the hardest thing to hear was, oh, I hear all the time that it's because you're thinking about it too much. Oh, my God. You just need to not want a baby. Yes. And then it'll just happen. That is the biggest head fuck. Because you're like, cool, I'll tell myself not to want it and to stop caring. It doesn't matter how much you try and convince and tell yourself, your body aches for this child. Yes. You can't 
fake that. You no. can't trick yourself into believing you no longer want a baby. No. I do believe there's something in that, but it's not something you can manipulate no, to happen. you cannot manufacture. You can't manufacture the, that oh, feeling. I don't want a kid do anymore. Do you know what? I don't even care. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be so emotionally drained and exhausted and over the whole process at a certain point that you just go... Oh my god! I just needs a few months off, but genuinely, yeah, 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 not like trying to pretend that you just want a few months off yeah. to try and trick yourself that you actually don't care and you're gonna stop thinking about it. You actually have to arrive at that place of I'm so done with this. I need a break, which is what happened to us. Because that happened to you, I know we're mixing stories we here, but hey, let's just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Hubs and I had a trip to Thailand, and I remember uh, thinking, this is where it's gonna happen. This is my Scotland. Because I'll, yep, because <laughs> yeah. I'll be on holiday, yeah, and I'll be relaxed and I'll have a good time. And I'm going to come back from Thailand and I'm going to be pregnant and I'm going to give my kids some Thai island name to mark the moment. And it didn't happen for me that way. Yeah. Because there is no blueprint. No. But I know that when you're struggling to conceive, you search for you those search stories and you of cling, hope. And you cling to you it. You cling, you cling to any narrative that you've heard or solution or what worked for someone else yes. and you're and you're so willing to give it a crack. I'm so hesitant and reluctant to sometimes share what worked for us because yes. I, I don't want to give any false hope. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's worth a shot. And I know what it's like to be in that headspace where you will literally try, try anything. anything. Yeah. And sometimes being proactive in trying helps. I've said this before, but I'll quickly recap how everything ended for us. Basically, we tried for two and a half years with no luck. Um, I have a really weird long cycle. So it was like this drawn out. It wasn't the two week wait for me. It was like a three and a half week wait every <sighs> time. It was just painful. We went to a fertility specialist. I tried medication that didn't work. And then we were like, okay, it's time for IVF. So we booked in IVF and we're like, before we do all this and all the injections and all the hormones and the emotion and the money that's going to go with IVF. Let's go back to Scotland and we have a month there and just be with family, do some travel and just have a break because we were so, well, I was so stressed out and strung out about Mm. this whole thing. And you know what I said to myself? I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want. Fuck macro organic gluten free. I ate all the donuts. And I remember you were like, I'm going to drink whatever I want. I'm going to have a great time. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I want. You did a full body surrender. Because I I remember you thinking, and when I get back, I'll get back into the headspace of trying to conceive. It was like the big end of school party before you have to go into adult life or something. And then, you know, when we were used to trying to make a baby, we would do the sex all the right ways. And then I would hoist my legs straight up, put my feet on the wall and marinate. Yeah. For like 30 minutes. Yep. In that creamy semen. In that cr- <laughs> I was like, come on, spermies. Come on, spermies. You can do it. Eggs, time to drop. Drop it like it's hot. Here comes the sperm. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. One time my husband played the theme music from E.T. to his sperm. <laughs> like the, you, know, you know, when E.T., like when Elliot's yes. riding over the moon on his bike, yeah. that, that song, he played that song to the sperm. We're like, oh. yes, let's give it some inspiration. <laughs> like we literally did all the things you would do. Do you know how we got pregnant? In a fucking hot tub. Which is how you're not supposed to get pregnant. Exactly. Because hot tubs are meant to be like I would have thought sperm it all, killers. Sperm They're like killers. spermicide. Spermicide and like wash it all away or whatever. I was like drunk on champagne in a hot tub. 
Isla. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. I used to say that to my GP. I was like, so I lie there and I marinate for like 30 minutes. Should I be doing longer? And she's like, well, Kate, if you think about it, how do you think they used to make babies? I'm like, what? She's like, in the caveman times, do you think they were lying down, marinating? No, they would quickly have a fuck and then they'd be running from a wildebeest. Or a it's, saber-toothed tiger. It's not designed. You don't need to help it along the yeah. way. Like, you can do all that if it makes you feel better, but mm. it's not going to make a big difference. Yes. And I was like, I don't like that information. <laughs> I want to do something proactive. That's because we're type A control freak personalities. Yes. And it was our greatest undoing. It really was. Was this complete lack of control. But I have to say the thing I struggled with the most as an oversharer, I would tell people what I was going through, through the infertility journey. And the thing I found the hardest, I didn't like advice too much, but I didn't mind getting into the chat about it. Like that was quite comforting with other women. But what I found the hardest was someone's flip response. They'd be like, oh, it'll happen. You just need to relax. Yeah. Don't worry, you'll get there. And I was like, why will I get there? I'm 27 years old. I'm young. I'm doing all the right things. It's not just going to happen. Like yeah. I have to make this happen, which mm. might not be right, but I found it made me feel almost like I was being dramatic, like I was being too much over the top and like creating drama when this was a very real thing in my life. Yeah. I think we could do a little list of what not to say. Yes. I think there's only one thing to say. It's shit. And that is, this is shit. Yeah. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Yeah. If you ever need to talk to anyone, I'm here. Yes. I think the suggesting pool <laughs> is not helpful. No. And those flippant comments like, it's going to happen, babe. Chill. Mm. Relax. Don't think about it. They are hands down the worst things you can say to anyone trying yeah. to conceive. Don't think about it. They're, they're thinking about it. Yeah. And every single cycle that rolls on by, your heart breaks. So tell me, when you were going through this, did I do the right thing by you? Oh, I had the most incredible support network of friends. I was in a weird, tricky spot where a whole heap of our school friends got married in the same year. We were all very ripe and ready to become mums. Yeah, we'd all turned 30. Yeah, everyone wanted to have babies and we all used to joke how, let's have a conception party and we'll all get together and bonk like bunnies and all have babies at the same time and they'll grow up to be best friends. And They won't need therapy at all. That dream that you project. Sure enough, eight of our school friends all got pregnant. First try. First, if not second, go. Yeah. Honeymoon babies. Like it was wild. Yeah, it was wild. And And that's another mental mind fuck for people. I struggle with it just because it triggers me a little bit. But I have heard that getting pregnant first time can be a real core shaking thing because you're like, oh, I thought this would take a while and I wasn't ready and I thought it would be six months and we haven't even started and oh my God, I'm already pregnant. Yeah. And everything sort of accelerates. Totally. Yeah. But I couldn't hear any of those stories when I was struggling. I definitely struggled to hear those, but I I have empathy for that side of things too. Because it is life-altering and it is core-rocking. And you're full of hormones. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Just no one's friend. A whole heap of people I knew got pregnant. I then felt this pressure. Mm. Like every month was like, oh, I want to be pregnant with them. Okay, this is going to happen. And I remember that time became such a cruel marker. So I remember trying for six months. Hitting the year mark was a big one. Big deal. 
I remember Christmas was a big deal because I had my dad and my stepmom flying over to Australia and I was like thinking, oh my God, how cool would it be if we could share our pregnancy with them at Christmas? Mm. And then that cycle fell through. So then it was just a constant readjustment of my own expectations. The 12 month mark is huge. It felt big. It felt big because all the statistics, I think it says it takes a healthy couple under 40 on average eight months to conceive a baby. I think when I was trying, that was the data point. So I was thinking, okay, if it's average eight months, don't spin out. It's only been six or seven months. Like yeah. we can go to 10 months before we need to freak out. But when you hit a year, yeah, you start to think, okay, I've had how many cycles? Yeah. You start to think, is this going to be a three, four, five year situation? Yeah. And you also have to remember that me hitting the one year mark mm. in that time, all those friends who conceived a year ago now had three month olds. Cute little babies. Yeah. And it's undeniable the club that you join yes. when you become a mum. Yes. It's a real thing. Yeah. And so suddenly my main circle of friends, everyone had babies and I I didn't. You weren't even pregnant. Yet. I wasn't even pregnant and I so wanted to be a part of this club. Yeah. Now, what I will say about supporting someone who's going through infertility struggles is I think there are two schools of thought mm. that you can kind of take. Yes. I have a friend who also went through infertility at the same time as me. She was completely separate from our school friends. We had very different approaches to how we handled and coped with our journey. I didn't want my friends who had kids to feel awkward around me mm. because they knew I was struggling. Yeah, don't leave me out, guys. So I, I yeah. actively was like, please don't leave me out of conversations or feel like you can't whinge about the struggles of motherhood. Like I want the real and the raw. And I went out of my way to like insert myself yes. Yes. in conversations. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. Yeah, I but I would weigh in on yeah. like dummy versus no dummy and, yeah. and sleep. And, and I just so desperately wanted to be a part of the conversation. Even though I didn't have a child yet, I forced my way into group catch-ups with all my friends. It did not feel like that from me. Well, it felt me. like that for me. Yeah. But And and you know what? I always had a good time and I, I would hold all my friends' babies and hope the oxytocin yeah. would rub off on me and give me some sort of magic baby dust. Yeah. But the hardest thing was going home empty armed. Mm. I remember feeling really empty. I used to go home to my husband and cry because I'd be like, oh, everyone's gone home and they're now doing bath time and feeding. It's funny now. It's so funny because you're like, <laughs> sucked in, bitches. I know. <laughs> it's funny At the to- time you imagine it like a fucking movie where oh. they're like the baby's cooing and smiling at you and you're splashing a bit of water and you're playing rubber ducky you're the one like in the background you yeah. know and actually it's like it's I like a war scene completely <laughs> saw motherhood through rose-colored glasses yes dude that's part of the process hungy p yeah i remember feeling really empty yeah and lonely and coming home to that now going back to my friend she couldn't be around her friends with kids yeah. so totally different approach yes where she said i've just entered a season of life where I just need space from yeah. them and yeah. I felt really sad for her but I also didn't want to judge because I for yeah. her it was too painful yes. to be around friends with kids so I think it's important to understand your f- particular friend 
friends needs and ask them and ask them it never hurts to just have an honest conversation you only have to have it once yeah or check in as the, as the years go on i think i used to say this to you what do you need do yeah. you want to hear about my kid life or do you need to just pretend it's not happening right now yeah and i was honest and i said i the last thing i want is for you to filter yourself around yes. me now this was really tested so you were I think a year and a half into the struggle. Oh yeah. And I accidentally or without trying fell pregnant with Teddy. Yeah. So I knew I was pregnant and you were in a really dark place. I was at that. You point. were in or I would say the apex of the darkness of yeah. infertility and just living under that cloud. Mm-hmm. And I knew that space you were in and I knew it deeply. I'd been there so recently. I just was so terrified to tell you that I was pregnant I with a second baby. Not only had I already been blessed with one child but I was gonna have a second one yeah and I was yeah I felt sick about it but I was like you know she's my best friend she's got to know I'm pregnant Mm. and how how was that for you I think I was just over the moon for you yeah you also called it I did call it. You saw it all over my face. I did. And I called his gender as well. And you were so convinced Teddy was going to be a girl. <laughs> I'm very good at separating someone else versus my story. Yeah. I, I, I really try really hard in life not to get caught up in comparisonitis. Yes. And I think you're in, very good at it, actually. And in that moment, I was so happy for you because I was so relieved that you didn't have to go through what you went through to get Isla. Yes. And Teddy was like, I'm here. And yeah. you were like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. You know, so I, in that moment, I was fucking stoked and it gave me hope. Maybe my second baby will be that easy. Yeah. And sure enough, Iggy was. I remember you saying when I told you, so how it went down was you were in my kitchen. Yeah. I was being weird and you're like, what's going on? I was like, nothing, nothing. And and then like something's going on. And I like turned around and looked at you. Like, I'm going to say something. And you went, you're pregnant. I did. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm so sorry. And you're re- like, fuck you, don't say sorry. Yes, I remember being yeah. mad at you for apologizing. Yeah. I was like, don't you dare apologize for such a miracle growing inside you. Yeah. And I remember what you said and we laughed so hard. <laughs> you know what? If anything, this gives me hope. If you can have two babies, I can have one, surely. <laughs> you with your fucked up insides. Yeah. If you can get pregnant twice, I can get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's so true. And I think it was probably about eight months later that you were pregnant because we were pregnant together for about two weeks yeah we were we did have a little bit of crossover we're like yay we're pregnant at the same time yeah because I had Teddy, I think, like three weeks after your successful IUI implantation. Yes. So to give the dear listeners some context, by this point, I had put myself on a wait list to do IVF through the public system. Hubs and I just bought our first apartment. So we had sunk all our savings into buying a home. Yeah. So we didn't really have any money left over for the heavy expense of doing IVF privately. But of course, the most frustrating thing about doing it through the public system is you have to wait. Mm-hmm. and Like you're not waiting enough on everything else, waiting for your period, the two-week wait, waiting for appointments, waiting for your acupuncture to kick in, waiting for the fucking herbs to arrive from China. All of it. All of it. It did my head in. I had this wonderful women's doctor who then suggested I go and try IUI. 
And she said, look, if you're on a three-month wait list for IVF, why don't you try three cycles of IUI? Can you tell everyone what IUI is? Because I feel like no one knows about this and it's a hack. It's such a baby hack. It really is. And it's way less invasive than IVF. And And isn't it like $150 a go? Honestly, it cost me $150. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, tell us what it is. So IUI is, (laughs) I mean, the ghetto (laughs) name for it is the turkey basting method. Yes. Essentially, it's it's actually such a cool process. Like, I actually really enjoyed the experience. Didn't love the injecting myself with yeah. hormones every day for two weeks and going through that whole process. Did not love that. But essentially what happens is they grow your eggs on their watch mm. and you have these what's called FSH hormones, follicle stimulation hormones, and then you go in every second day and they shove that dildo up your clacker right. and check out how ripe your eggs are. Love that. And when there's one... <laughs> or two eggs that have reached maturity mm-hmm. then you have what's called a trigger shot mm-hmm. and you inject yourself with a trigger shot and then it forces ovulation yep. then the next day the next morning you bring your husband in he goes into the wank bank jerks into a cup yep delivers the goods and then the sperm catch the bus yes <laughs> this is the part that i found to be the most fascinating bit so hubs like did the deed Then they took his sample off into a lab and we sat in a waiting room. And then they were like, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Rooney, would you like to come and have a look at your sample in the lab? And I was like, yes, didn't know this was part of the deal, but yeah. And they took us into the lab. That's cool. I've seen his jizz before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a part of me was like, I want to see these fucking suckers, these slack suckers. (laughs) Give them a word or two. And they took us into a lab. I'll never, ever forget this. They dropped a sample onto a glass. um, The science stick thing. Yeah, whatever it's called. (laughs) And put it under the microphone. Oh, my God, I'm stuck in podcast land. Put it under the microscope and said, check out this sample. And I looked at it and it was these little, if you imagine like a Homer Simpson version of sperm, just being like, just swimming around. And I was like, oh, my God, they're swimming around. And then some of them were lying still. And I said, oh, and some of them are sleeping. And she goes, oh, no, those ones are dead. Oh, great. And then some of the other Homer Simpson sperm were feeding like cannibals on the dead sperm. No. I'm not kidding. They eat? Apparently. They were like nibbling it, like surrounding it and nibbling it. Women are fucking amazing that we put these fucking critters up our junk in hopes of making a perfect, beautiful baby. I know. It's a fucking horror movie. It is. (laughs) Next minute, she goes, okay, now check out the sample that we've washed. So the medical term is washing the sperm. She did a little drop of that sample, put it under the microscope. I looked in and it was like thousands of Ian Thorpe sperm (laughs) at a rave on Red Bull. Let me at it! They were like vibrating. They were like bucking bulls in the cage. Like, (laughs) let me at it! I'm ready! Give me an egg! I want to feast on it! (laughs) It was insane! Wow! Seriously, so they like pick out those guys to send to the egg? I don't know if pick out is the right term, but they (laughs) scoop up. machine that somehow separates the wow. Ian Thorpes from the Homer Simpsons. I don't yeah, we know don't want how Simpson it works. Babies. No. <laughs> and you know Thorpes. It makes a lot of sense with Raph actually. It makes a lot of sense with Raph. <laughs> so then I go into this room, it's like you're having a pap smear. They get that Ian Thorpe sperm sample, then stick a tube up your vag and because they know 
exactly what fallopian tube oh my God. you're ovulating from. Direct to source. Yes. They hitch a bus ride yes. to the source. They get dropped off. They're like, thanks. And they're like, bam, in we go. Yes. Oh, I know. It's brilliant so it's like creating an optimal environment more of an exact science of the natural process yes it's like cheating yeah it's not cheating it's just like taking a bit of performance enhancing drugs when you're about to run a (laughs) marathon (laughs) and we were so lucky because it worked first time yeah and thus raf was formed yeah it was amazing i couldn't believe it Best phone call I ever made in my life was calling the IVF clinic to say, I'm pregnant. Oh my I don't God. need you. Me too. Yeah. Actually, I'd forgotten. And then my appointment rolled around and they were like, hi, um, Mrs. Reeves, we've just got you down for an 11 a.m. And I was like, who's this? Like, I'd completely forgotten. Yeah. And they're like, oh, just at the IVF Australia. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. An amazing feeling. Oh, man. It's funny talking about it because I think I really have parked it. Yeah. I really had sort of gone, okay, that was a moment in time and that was a very hard moment. And then obviously coming through it and into motherhood is such a transition for Mm. everyone, no matter how you get pregnant. I think it's a relief to let it go. I do believe, and I hope this isn't too woo-woo, I just, if I could say to anyone who's in that dark under a cloud space at the moment, and I'm sure there will be lots of you out there, or if it's not you, it's your bestie or your sister-in-law or your sister or your friend or your work colleague, I do believe everyone finds their family. Yeah. It doesn't matter how that ends up and it may not look like what you're imagining now. I rejected IVF for so long because I wanted the romance of... I'm pregnant. It happening spontaneously. And that was a process of letting that go and being like, it actually doesn't matter how I get pregnant as long as I get pregnant. Yeah. And there is no shame. I know that we live in a world where health and wellness has taken over Mm. social media Mm -hmm. in a big way. And I know some women who live and breathe the health and wellness space almost to a detriment Mm. when they then wanted to conceive and struggled to conceive IVF wasn't even an allowed option. Oh, because it's too too much intervention? It's too much intervention oh, and they dear. almost felt like failures when they ultimately fell back on that. Mm. But then it got them their baby. And yeah. I thought, who it's a life. cares? Yeah. It's a fucking miracle. And how lucky mm. are we to have Western medicine to make us mothers in the way that we hoped Mm. to be able to carry a child or to have at least the opportunity to try when that wasn't even an option previously. But I think letting go of that romance is a big part. And and I do think that it's a process. I took way too long to get mentally geared up for IVF to make that phone call. I felt defeated. Yeah, same. Yeah. I didn't want to go there. I was like, oh, this is my story. Yeah. Like I'm doing this now. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want it to be me. I was still hanging on for that. Yay, it finally happened naturally when we went on holiday to Thailand <laughs> narrative. You know, like you hang on to all these things. Another thing I also want to say, it's really important to never diminish someone else's trying to conceive story based on timeframes. I think that so often people get in this weird, oh, well, it only took you two years. I've got a friend where it took them five years and five rounds of IVF. That is all bullshit. None of it fucking matters. Because I'll tell you what, the minute you decide you're ready for a baby, that first cycle where you're not pregnant 
it hurts. It hurts. By the time you get to six months, and I know six months isn't long, but six months is still a six-month wait. Yeah. It's six months of holding off on a dream that you've been fighting for. When someone comes to me and confides in me that they've been struggling to conceive and they always say like, oh, it's only been six months, I'm Mm. being silly. I'm like, no, no, no. Your feelings are valid. You're allowed to be disappointed. That you're at the six-month mark of trying and it hasn't happened. I see you. Yeah. But your family will happen. Whether that's through adoption, IVF, fostering, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? I think it's one of those things, like a lot to do with motherhood. It's the starting of trusting the process. Yeah. And surrender. And surrender. And that's such a hard thing to hear when you're in it. You're like, no, I don't want to surrender. I want to control it. I so know that pain, but your family will happen. I don't think I know anyone who's been through the struggle and the journey who hasn't ended up with a version of their family. Yeah, it's true. You're right. We do know people who have struggled for five years and five rounds of IVF and all the things and lost babies and multiple miscarriages and horrible, hard journeys. And look at them now. Two kids, three kids, family. And they're just in the shit zone like the rest of us. Yeah, whinging and complaining (laughs) and all of that. Whinging and complaining, yeah. It will happen. It will. And I think if you are someone who feels triggered, Hmm. I know what it's like to walk around and all you see are pregnant women. Yeah. And all you see are mums with their new bassinet prams walking around it's like when you're shopping for a car a very specific car and suddenly on the road all you can see is that car for whatever reason pregnant women just suddenly appear in truckloads when you're pregnant just be kind to yourself and whatever you need to distract do it and tell your support networks maybe I need a girls night a movie night I just want (laughs) fuck a comedy night let's just watch stand up like whatever is going to spark joy (laughs) just to get all Marie Kondo on your ass do it the tricky dynamic is if your friends are mums and we all know they're depleted yeah their mental load is jack full they have a lot to manage and and their schedules aren't as open and a night out could be really difficult for Mm, them that's true and so I think it's just being respectful of each other's situations acknowledging it saying it out loud I know this is what's going on for you this is what's going on for me I think we do take so much of the burden in hetero relationships with men and women like women have so much more of a load but where we have the advantage as women is that female friendship is more powerful than anything in the world when it comes to needing and supporting each other. I agree. And I think we can get very caught up in our heads about, oh, no, I think that might hurt her feelings or that might... We we really worry about doing the wrong thing for our Mm. girlfriends. So I think if everyone can just hold hands and say, I know where you're at. Tell me more about where you're at. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. What do you need? There is nothing more uplifting and special than how females can rally around each other. 100%. And and to add to that, checking in. Checking in. Because I think sometimes when you know someone's going through a struggle, the default is, oh, I'll just give them space yes. and they'll reach out to me when yes. they're ready to talk. Yes. But sometimes people just need you to check in to even encourage them to talk and to just know you're there yeah a big thing we do in our circle is just we just love bomb each other with uh, voice memos yes <laughs> so we like to just be like hey no need to reply I uh, just wanted to say love you you're amazing hope today is better and really thinking of you and if you need a chat I'm here 
We do a lot of that, don't we? We do. Yeah. It works well because there's no pressure. No pressure. On, on each side, but yeah. it's more of a, hey, I'm here. And I know you're there. Put yourself in your girlfriend's hands. There's just nothing better. Well, we've yapped on today. Holy mackerel, we really have. Well, I think we owed everyone a bit of a long one because we've, <sighs> we've had a few short ones since know, you've been editing. Everyone was so mad at me last week that the episode was 54 seconds. How dare I come under the hour mark? I mean, I was... If you'd left your nickname stuff in there, it would have hit the hour. <laughs> that was a big episode. It was. I feel like I have so much more to say, actually. I know. I love you. I love you too. I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're so there for me in the way that I needed, and I'm just so grateful. Well, yes. I f- see, I look back and feel like I wasn't as there for you because I hadn't lived it, and I didn't quite know. That's our friendship dynamic to a T, though. I always charge ahead and do everything really quickly and really mm. early, and you're like, I'm here, I'm here but I have no idea what to do. (laughs) And then you get to that point and I'm like, I got you. I know. I feel like the luckier one, if I'm honest. I feel pretty lucky too. What a wank! (laughs) (laughs) Who are we? We just got so syrupy. So romantic with each other. (laughs) So shall we uh, get back to reality and do a bit of hashtag not sponsored? Oh my God, not sponsored. I was like, cue the outro, but (laughs) no, here we go, not funny. I come to you with a very practical not funny today. It's a brand called Hello Green, which is an eco store. But what I love are their drink bottles for kids. Oh, cool. So I've bought a number of drink bottles that are plastic-based and all the regrets. Because while I love plastic, it doesn't fall and break Mm -hmm. easily. The mould, because what happens is my kids go to daycare with the water bottle, it comes home, then the weekend hits, I forget to take the water bottle. I mean, we've all been there. You know where this is going. Suddenly a colony has grown in the neck of the bottle and I can't tell you how many plastic-based, yes, BPA-free and all that good stuff, water bottles I have had to chuck out because of the mould growth factor. So I transitioned to the hello green bee box insulated drink bottles they are so much better yeah easier to clean they keep my kids drinks cool in summer for ages and if you want to put i don't know some sort of warm puree soup thing in there i'm sure that'll keep it warm as well soup in a straw who doesn't love that (laughs) i feel like that's some like 90s terrible diet hack that was banned once look i will say the colors aren't of my palette okay we've got bright pinks and yellows and blues and purples but I've, I've, i've gotten over it because i've become more practical as a mom so yeah highly recommend checking out hello green eco store i will say they are a little bit on the pricier side but they're gonna last a lot longer so no false economy there Exactly. I feel like the longevity factor outweighs the cost. Yes. And makes it well worth it. So... How much? Oh, they're $30. Oh, whatever. Sorry, in my head, I thought they were like 60 bucks, but I guess... you buy two. Yeah, it was 60 bucks for two. So yeah, actually totally reasonable. Yeah. Great. My hashtag not sponsored is an act of self-care. Yes. I have to apologize. This is Sydney-centric. But, you know, I've seen the stats... Lottie, we're in Sydney. So here I go. It's called Friday Flowers. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. And it's a subscription delivery service. So you go to the website and you sign up. Like any other subscription, you sort of pop your details in. And then you get sent a beautiful vase. And every Friday you get market fresh flowers delivered to your house that you didn't have to organize. You just organize it once. And then every single week you have a beautiful arrangement of flowers delivered every single Friday. But do you 
keep the vase and you fill that vase vase. over and over or do you get a new vase? No, you keep the vase from when you sign up and then it gets replenished with beautiful flowers. There's different ones you can choose. You can just have a bunch of market flowers delivered. You can have an arrangement. You can have a smaller posy if you wanted to say a bathroom to always have something in it or something. It's so beautiful. I think as mums, we need those little treats to look forward to in Mm. our week and imagine just forgetting and then up turns your gorgeous bunch of peonies or whatever and it's there for the weekend if you're entertaining peonies yeah it's like whatever's market fresh why have i always thought they're pronounced peony yeah it drives me nuts everyone says peony it's peonies i can't handle that is this going to be a rattan situation peonies peonies it sounds like peonies (laughs) penis yes it sounds like penis peonies It sounds like a like Spanish way of saying penis. Peonies. Peonies. Where's your peonies? Whip out your peonies. <laughs> wow, that's a beautiful peony. <laughs> peony is really standing to attention. I just think peony is like, you know. There's nothing better than a beautiful peony. <laughs> peony is like Hermione, which is actually pronounced Hermione. Well, Chummy, you're wrong. Okay. It's peony. Fine. Anyway, Friday flowers. I'll put a link in the show notes and chuck it up on the Insta. Cue the outro. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast.